Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. friends welcome to another show before we get started i've got to say happy anniversary to my mom and dad because my mom and dad listen to every episode of the happy hour yes they do so happy anniversary mom and dad guys today on the show i have two guests for you yes two fox and rob richardson both sat down with me to talk about their story and i read their story in a book called time which is also a documentary that you can watch on amazon uh Fox and Rob are a New Orleans couple, and listen to this. They endured 21 years as an incarcerated family. Yes, 21 years. Fox spent some time in prison, and then Rob spent 21 years incarcerated. They tell their story in the book Time and in the documentary. It was such a joy for me to have them on the show today. They are full of life and love, and I wish you could have seen how cute they were on the screen. In fact, if you want to see them, go check out all of the Happy Hour episodes because they're over on YouTube. Just go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube, and all of the interviews are there, and you can see this cutie couple who invited me to come have dinner with them in New Orleans, and I'm going to take them up on it. That is for sure. You guys, I want to tell you this. Their conversation today, it might be uncomfortable for some of you to hear and listen to. Fox and Rob are both African-American, and we talked today about how black people in America make up the majority of the population in our prison system, and it just doesn't add up because they don't make up the majority of the population in our country. So we have a conversation that's hard and could feel uncomfortable, but here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement is to lean in and listen. The number one way that we can hear about people's stories and what they've endured and what they're experiencing, if it is different than yours, is to lean in and listen. You guys are amazing at leaning in and listen, and I say that about the Happy Hour listeners all the time. And so this is a lean in and listen episode for a lot of us. I also want to tell you this. If you're like, man, I was confused. What are they talking about with the 13th Amendment? And I don't know what they're saying and all these things. There's a really great Netflix documentary. Go check it out this weekend, maybe. It's called 13th. It came out in 2016, and you can see it on Netflix. It's really great. I've already seen it once, and this whole conversation has reminded me that I want to go watch it again. So I'm adding that to my to-watch list this month. You guys, I I said it before. I didn't intend on making a a series about incarceration in America, but last week we we heard from Brandon and Lacey. uh, Today, Fox and uh, Rob. And then tomorrow, on Friday's episode, we're hearing from a new friend of mine named Shelby, who has not been incarcerated, but she works in the prison system. But going in and talking to men and women about the love and forgiveness that Jesus offers them. And her story is a little bit unique because she, well, I'll let her tell you the whole story on Friday. Obviously, I don't want to give anything away. But her family walked through a tragedy when her father was murdered. And she has continued to walk in love and forgiveness and is making this a new ministry for her. But you got to hear about it on Friday. So stick around. You guys, here's my conversation with Fox and Rob Richardson. Fox and Rob, welcome to the happy hour. Thank Thank you for having us. 
I am so excited. And if you guys are listening to the show, you need to go watch audio. I mean, you need to go watch the video on YouTube because I can already tell that you guys are like the most in love. Rob, you just want Fox to move in closer to you. And you gave her a little kiss on the forehead before we started. And so I am already Fox and Rob's biggest fan. So thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks, thank you, thank you. Well, I want to tell my listeners real quick that I received your book, Time. I received it in the mail um, probably in the fall. I have an early reader copy. I don't even think I have the actual real book. I have an early reader copy. And no lie, this sat in my office for a long time, and I put it over into the pile that, like, this looks interesting. Like, I think I might want to give this a little shot. And so I just kept passing it, passing it up. And then one weekend, I took it home. And I read it and I then said, I've got to get these people on the happy hour. And so (laughs) welcome, welcome, welcome. I would love for you two to introduce yourself to my listeners. Okay. Uh, For those of you that are listening, looking in for the very first time, we are Fox and Rob Rich. Uh, We are a formerly incarcerated couple who uh, spent more than 21 years behind bars uh, before receiving clemency uh, September the 20th, uh, 2018. Uh, from our current governor, uh, that happened as a result of the uh, resilient fight and uh, and and courage in this young lady right here that uh, that didn't uh, stop fighting until uh, she reunited uh, reunited the family that she put together back in uh, April of 1997 after uh, 10 years of on and off again relationship between the two of us as uh, high school sweethearts. Fox, what do you want to say about y'all? I would say that we just celebrated 26 years of marriage on yesterday. Happy anniversary, and, um, guys. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. And uh, and I think that that just kind of says it all. So I would probably just add to that if there are any of your listeners that are joining us for this happy hour, um, that if you stick with it, I promise you it's worth it when you get on the other side. Um Rob and I fought through the system for 21 years before rejoining our family, reuniting our family. And people would ask like, oh my goodness, you waited on him, you fought for him. And to which I would respond, no, I fought for my family. He just happened Mm -hmm. to be a member of that family that I was fighting for. But it wasn't just about him, it was about the institution of family Mm -hmm. that was so important to me and that I had come to understand fully. And so I just would encourage your viewers as we, your listeners, as we are celebrating 26 years of marriage, that um, being married, being under the auspice of uh, husband and wife, it was one of the best decisions that I have made in my life. And um, and I would recommend it to anybody and everybody, Jamie. So thank you for having us. It is definitely a happy hour because we have. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you guys both talk a lot about love, and I would say that love and hope are two really big themes in your story uh, that's in this book that I got to read already, and I hope all of my listeners and viewers will go and pick up this book. You talk a lot about love and hope, and love is what started your relationship, and love was what endured it. I want to go back a little bit, if we can, to the beginning so we can let people know where does your story begin and Um, what I mean, the part of your story that I want to talk about today is where you found yourself a part of this justice, this criminal justice system in America. You guys are in Louisiana. Um, Can you take us back to that part of your life and what led you to some of the choices that ended up putting you where you were? 
Mm. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Fox and I, uh, the beginning of us, uh, actually uh, goes back to uh, high school sweethearts. I met Fox uh, through a uh, church member of mine who was a mutual friend between the two of us. Uh, there's two sides to this story. Depends on which one of us you ask. <laughs> I but love since it. I'm, since I have the mic right now, I'm going to tell my version of it. And uh, Fox and uh, her girlfriend of hers were, uh, was uh, shooting hooky. We used to call that like when you skip school. Now, <laughs> she tells you her version. She calls it a mental health day. Oh, I love it. Would take. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they needed a ride uh, to their evening class. And um, the uh, mutual girlfriend uh, between the two of us called me. I was uh, visiting. I was home on leave and uh, decided to give them a ride. And uh, when I came to the door, uh, to the address that I was uh, told to come to. I knocked on the door and then knocking on the door, uh, Fox answers the door and I would have to say that for me, it was love at first sight. And it was love at first sight for her as well. I just had to uh, convince her that she was <laughs> equally as in love with me as I was with her. Uh, we uh, would soon uh, uh, come to that conclusion or to that mutual agreement with one another that we just couldn't do without one another. And about 10, it took us 10 years, but 10 years later. It took him 10 years and me <laughs> ignoring him. Daddy, if you know anything about that, sometimes you have to ignore these people so they understand <laughs> what you mean when you say now. Now is the time. Oh, my gosh. So needless to say, we um, we decided to, uh, to take each other's hand in marriage. Uh, we eloped to uh, Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Florida, uh, where we uh, exchanged uh, our nuptials. Uh, we later that day uh, bungee jumped in an effort to consummate our marriage. Uh, we set off uh, back home with uh, cans on the back of the car, driving from Orlando, Florida, all the way back to Shreveport, Louisiana, with uh, hopes and dreams of uh, fulfilling uh, the life that we had envisioned uh, with one another. And that was to uh, start our own uh, business, a business uh, that was uh, probably as innovative as cell phones are to this generation of folk. Uh, when we were talking about starting something like a hip hop clothing shore, uh, store, uh, uh, a cultural phenomenon that took off, I guess you can say, uh, on our East Coast. Um, and to think that we were talking about doing something like that in the in the deep south mm -hmm. of uh, Louisiana, again, like I said, was probably as innovative as uh, some of the uh, technologies that we enjoy today. Mm -hmm. uh, and definitely our investors at the time thought it was uh, equally uh, as big of a jump. Um, but with that being said, we got back home. We uh, identified the place that would become our family's first business. Uh, additionally, we bought a home that we thought to be a dream home until the first rain happened. And when the first rain happened, uh, we were literally underwater. Uh, that new home that we bought that would be our family's first home ended up underwater. The carpet that we bought was flooded. The rooms were flooded. The paint was destroyed. Uh, it was sitting on a bad foundation, and this the was foundation like, was cracked. And, and this the, was before Papa Lock, you know, where you can like lift it up. <laughs> yeah, and then not Papa Lock. They Pop call it what like when they um, when they lift up the house and fix right, it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That uh, technology, I don't think, had been shoring. I think is, is it, what it's called. Yeah, whatever so, it's called, whatever it is, they couldn't do it. Had not been uh, as developed as it is nowadays. With that being said, we were stuck with the lemon of a house that we had bought. And uh, if that uh, did not add enough insult to injury, the business that we started, um, we defied uh, probably three of the biggest uh, rules to uh, starting a business, and that is location, location, location. We opened up a hip hop clothing store in a, um, industrial. an industrial area. In fact, the building that we bought 
Uh, it used to be an old warehouse. carpet warehouse. <laughs> Who, go figure, right? Yep. <laughs> um, and again, just to compound on that, uh, our third oldest son, uh, Lawrence, he took sick. And he had uh, undiagnosed ailments that uh, doctors could not explain. He was having uh, unexplained seizures. And uh, it, it scared the dickens out of us. If that yeah. wasn't enough, then as soon as we get started good, I lose my job. Um, mm. The program where I'm teaching as a professor at the local university, they dissolved the program at the end of the summer. It was just like mm -hmm. Murphy's Law. Everything that could happen in the first six months of our marriage happened. Mm. And we hit the panic button, you know, just determined to not be seen as failures in our community. And, um, um, and, and, you know, in hindsight, realizing that you can never fail because mm -hmm. you now know how not to do something. Mm -hmm. um, but that fear of failure led us into a state of desperation. And in that state of desperation, when we could not get the right way, um, what we thought God had prepared for us, then we decided that we would step out of our covering, um, step aside from the trainings that we had it, you know, in our entire lives, having both been raised in the church. Mm -hmm. And um, we eased God out and thought we could do it ourselves. And boy, did we did we mess it up real good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, when Fox mentions that easing God out, we uh, refer to that as the ego, mm -hmm. you know, because you start thinking that yeah. you can do it yourself. You start thinking that you can fix it yourself. So when our investor pulled out on us and every um, attempt that we made to try to uh, gain access to capital in order to launch our business failed. Uh, as Fox mentioned, uh, we reached the, uh, uh, we were in the pit of uh, uh, desperation. And as mm -hmm. the old saying uh, goes, that uh, uh, when people find themselves in desperation, they do desperate things. Mm -hmm. We sought to uh, regain uh, financial solvency uh, by robbing a bank. Mm -hmm. um, and um, as you say, I guess that is the moment or the point uh, where our lives were turned around. And uh, it was, uh, I guess, the, um, the moment that God had an opportunity then to perform the miracles that he's known to perform. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Well, you tell that story so so well now, and it's also in your book, and I want to I want to jump to a problem that you talk a lot about in your book. And Fox, I know you have rallied around this cry for the justice system to have reform f- for the entire, almost the entire time that Rob that um, that Rob was in prison, and you yourself, and then you've been working on this afterwards. You guys, this was your first offense. This was not like we, this is our third time that something's happened. This was your first offense. Rob, I would like for you to tell us what was the sentence that you received from that um, robbery? I received a 60-year uh, sentence. Um, crazy enough, uh, usually when you're sentenced, uh, definitely in the state of Louisiana, and I'm sure in other states, there's a similar process as to how sentencing happens. Uh, but a pre-sentence investigation is uh, conducted and it's conducted by the Office of uh, uh, Probation and Parole. They come in and then do an assessment to see what are the likelihoods that you will respond uh, to rehabilitative programming. With that being said, I was former military, had a college education, uh, uh, hadn't completed college, but definitely had college uh, as an experience of mine. Had a uh, tour of duty under my belt at that point. Uh, was a homeowner, and Fox and I were a married couple in the whole nine yards. And uh, the uh, lady that was conducting the uh, pre-sentence investigation thought that I would respond well to a boot camp uh, style program where I would go and I would basically be ordered around and treated like, you know, one of those intense boot camp programs. And if you successfully uh, pass, uh, you would be discharged and then you would spend a remainder of, uh, of some time uh, on uh, supervised intense. parole. Supervised. Um, but it would be an intense supervised parole. And then, uh, you know, once you complete it, then, of course, you would um, you would you know kind of have some portions of your life restored. Uh, but the judge uh, sidestepped those recommendations and decided to implement a 60, 45 and two, seven and a five year sentence, respectively, for myself, my nephew, Ontario Smith, as well as uh, my wife, Fox. And um, what was he thinking the day that he came to court? Who knows? Mm. But uh, but to find 
for him as a Christian man, because that was one of um, the things that he professed, um, Judge Smith out of um, um, Lincoln Parish, Louisiana. Um, and he actually left the bench to go and finish his ministry or pursue his ministry. And so it was just awfully mind boggling to me that how could this so-called man of God, this this person of faith feel like children of God were not redeemable. There was no Mm. loss of life in our offense. Um, The bank got their money back as well as probably whatever pocket change we had at the time (laughs) of the offense. And so to say that this $5,000 that was temporarily Mm. removed from the bank had more value than my husband's life, our three children that we had between us, my nephew's life, my life was just, I think, a move in the wrong direction. as a society, when we talk about how it is that we want our society to move forward and we want public safety, well, um, public safety is not just about locking people up and throwing away the key, but real public safety is about finding our human beings that have transgressed in society. And if God can forgive us, then certainly we can forgive ourselves and we can forgive members of our community that they are more than the worst thing that they have done. And, and for those that are redeemable, we want them to be uh, restored in society as quickly and swiftly as possible, like they do in other industrialized nations. America, because of our addiction to slavery and because the 13th Amendment to our Constitution is what still allows slavery in our country, um, we move with that intention of enslaving, continuing to enslave people. And what I mean by that, Jamie, is that here we are, you you do your time. Society says, okay, you did this crime. You're going to give me this amount of time. But then when you get home from prison, you are still doing time. You've got to pay fines and fees. You can't do this job because you're formally incarcerated. Well, if I'm formally incarcerated, if I did what society said that I must do to be restored, why am I not restored? If I don't lose my citizenship when I'm sent to prison, why then do I lose my right to vote. So it is just um, things like that that are truly reflective of our addiction to slavery in this country, that until we can remove um, the, the, the clause in our constitution that allows for a continuation of slavery, then we're still going to be sick as a nation and not be made whole. How is it that as industrialized and intelligent of a country as we are, we lead the whole world in locking people up. And Jamie, just as a point of clarity for the people that are listening in that may say to themselves, slavery was abolished. We thought that slavery was abolished all the way up until uh, 1997 when we found ourselves in the clutches of the system Mm -hmm. that we find that they had an exception to the clause. The exception to the clause is that when you have been duly convicted of a crime, then slavery and involuntary servitude, it's once again enforced. Mm. Mm. So as what Fox is mentioning, as far as all of the hurdles that happen when you exit uh, 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 the situation of slavery or the circumstances of slavery, well, just like the slavery of old, people went from, say, slavery to sharecropping, meaning that they had Mm -hmm. other struggles in their efforts to try to get home again. Uh, So we face much of the same as it relates to licensing, as it relates to jobs, as it relates to to certain uh, living uh, experiences. Voting in many states. Right. So, you know, this is 
this is an important conversation. And I like hearing you guys talk and then having read the book, I'm like, I see how you guys have fought for so many years for to be where you are right now. And it is your fight that has gotten you here. And it is no understatement that you guys have fought hard for this. And I'm so um, honored to know you because of that. What I want to ask you is everyone that's listening and, and myself included is like, yes, this is terrible. Yes, this is awful. But what we see on the news and what we hear from people who have been incarcerated sometimes don't match up. You know, like you guys are, I, the, the show that's airing today, previous to you, I also had a, another friend of mine who was incarcerated in San Quentin and I had his wife on the show as well. And then you guys, and it's awesome because next week is a friend of mine who her, um, her dad, this is crazy, her dad was a Dallas police officer. He was shot and killed. And this young woman went to the trial and said, I forgive you for killing my father. So I've had four episodes here that my listeners are getting so much information. I'm so excited about it. But I want to ask you, guys this fox tell me this like the the average person listening is going well this isn't okay what do i do about this this isn't right they're true how does this keep happening what can we do to help fight for this reform well i think it's all about the laws that are made in our land one we cannot fall prey to the media blitz media tells stories in order to upbraiding so they fear monger all day long and so I think that one of the things is that when we hear stories on the news, then we have to move ourselves away from the fear mongering and really work to see those people that the news is talking about as the same people that are in the Bible. Paul, you know, was mm. Saul before he became Paul and he was not a nice guy. Right. I mean, the same can be said about David, a man after God's mm -hmm. own heart. Before he came to God, he was not a good dude. You know, so I just mm -hmm. think that we have to be able to always maintain seeing the good in people and not fear bait with you know, with folks. This whole episode of fear baiting didn't even come about until the early 70s when blacks were just starting to get their freedom and full access to our country through desegregation. You know, that's when you start hearing language like the war on crime the war on drugs, the war on everything but poverty and, 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 and a war on everything but a lack of education. Why can't we launch a war on ignorance and see how we can make sure that everybody in this country is afforded a, a formidable education so that we can all be thinkers and we can all live mm -hmm. well? Is there not enough room in the land of milk and honey for everybody to have a good living? And so for mm. me, the first thing is about moving away from the fear mongering. And then two, um, that takes a lot of courage to be a self thinker because as a community, we all just buy into what everybody else is saying. Uh, here in New Orleans, where Rob and I um, do our work, um, our ministry is based out of New Orleans. It's called Rich Family Ministries. And we work with justice involved families who were families just like ours, helping them navigate the system, helping provide support and, and helping reduce harm by bridging the gap between the offender as well as those who have been offended. And so one of the things that you hear often in New Orleans is, oh, you know, be careful. Oh, it's not safe. And I'm saying, but if you live here, and this is your hometown, then you should be advocately doing something if you don't feel safe. If, if we buy mm -hmm. into it and we don't speak good things over the place that we live, then we can't expect other people to. And so that's the biggest piece for me is changing mm -hmm. the way we speak about our experience. All the bad people in the world don't live in our country. 
So we need to stop acting like it. And um, mm-hmm. and so then the second thing is about looking at laws that that adversely affect people that are incarcerated and adversely affect and 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 incarcerate people of color because mm-hmm. black people in America make up 11 percent of the population. But yet we make up almost 60 percent of the people that are serving time in prison in Louisiana. We it make up 85 percent of the people serving mm-hmm. time in prison. And, you know, if your antlers don't go off and say, whoa, 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 something's mm-hmm. wrong with this. Um, so those are small steps looking at laws that adversely affect us and all of us mm-hmm. being open to saying that we've got to amend the 13th Amendment, that the the clause yeah. that allows for slavery in our country, if we are going to be a free nation, then it under our watch, our time in this life, we must be responsible for removing that clause that allows for slavery mm-hmm. in our country. Mm. Rob, you spent uh, your time in what's called America's bloodiest penitentiary. And when I read that, like my heart just breaks because I think not only did you spend over two decades there, but why is that? Why do we even have a, a, a prison that that is what it's known for? I mean, that just feels inhumane. And previously on another episode, I talked to Brandon, who spent his time mainly at San Quentin in San Francisco, which is I've never been to Angola where you spent your time, but from your description, I have been to San Quentin. It feels like night and day, like literally night and day. I would love to hear from you two things. Man, how how did you how did you survive that? I mean, it sounds like from your descriptions in the book that not only would it be a terrible place to just live, but it would be a real easy place to give in and stop trying. Mm-hmm. And so what was it for you that said, I'm not going to give in to what this prison is trying to make of me, and I'm going to continue to make something of myself? That was a good question, Jamie. And uh, I would have to say, uh, Jamie, uh, the realization came to me the moment that uh, uh, a friend of mine um, that also served as a mentor to me that uh, even uh, made me come to the realization that slavery in our country had not come to a close when he actually shared Mm -hmm. with me a civic book and showed me the uh, the 13th Amendment. And when I read the 13th Amendment, it just like grabbed me like in my chest. And I was like, wow, like somebody had squeezed my heart because I had lived my life all the way up to that point, thinking that this was uh, a practice that had in fact come to a close and that it was no longer. But when I read the exception, it was in that moment and maybe later on that night that I started to tap further in and in tapping further in, I realized that there was a DNA strand that runs through me as it runs through all of us. And that is, is that when we trace our history, we realize that we have been enslaved people over hundreds of years. You know, us as blacks in America has been over 400 years. And if you go all the way back to one of the first books in the Bible, we can see that people were trying to free people from slavery even back then. And uh, so when you think about the fact that you hear these stories or you read these stories and you come to the realization that if people can endure whatever version of slavery that they have experienced as a people, then me, too, I could also uh, endure uh, the new form of it in the form of mass incarceration in the nation's uh, most hellacious place to be doing time. Mm. So it was in there where I just really tapped in 
into uh, that DNA that ran through my veins that says that if we can overcome 400 years of chattel slavery in this country, then you, my son, can overcome uh, slavery in Angola State Penitentiary. So it was in that moment that I started to realize that God had placed me there for a purpose. And uh, it was not just through that, but just all of the things that was happening simultaneously. Uh, Fox sent me a book uh, by Viktor Frankl. Who the first was book I sent him. The very first book that she sent me, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, but Viktor Frankl was uh, caught in a uh, concentration camp in uh, somewhere in Europe. And um, and just him talking about the experience. And I was like, wow, his experience is so much like mine. And then I read the story of Nelson Mandela, who was locked away in Robbins Isle in Africa. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, his experience is so much like mine. And just story after story, when I read the story of Joseph and I was like, wow, his experience is so much like mine. <laughs> you know, he lost his family. Uh, people knew that he had been wrong. Uh, but they continued to let him stay there. And even the people that he mentored while he was there got out of prison. And it wasn't until they thought that they would benefit selfishly by being able to get the attention of the king that they said, man, you know what? There was a guy I ran into that was in prison, man. And I think he got a bad bag. He needs help. And the king calls him forward and says that, hey, man, I heard you can interpret, uh, interpret dreams. And it was in that moment that uh, uh, Joseph was able to experience uh, justice, you know, in his particular matter. But when you look closely at those stories, uh, you got people that watched Jesus, you know, be martyred and, 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 and put to death, you know, on, on a cross for, you know, things that we now look at and say were honorable, things that we look at. And even then, those people that experienced his life being snuffed away, sat idle, sat quietly and let the life be snuffed out of him. So we can see that all of these things have been happening uh, since, the, uh, since the beginning of time. Um, but we, as Fox says, that we have to come to a point where we say, not on my watch. Mm. So it was not and on my watch that, that. Uh, that Angola was going to continue to carry the banner of the bloodiest penitentiary in the world. I started looking at Angola as a, a gated community. And inside mm -hmm. of gated communities, if you've ever been to one anywhere in America, you know, people are about their civic duties. They're about educating the people that live next door to them. They're about protecting the, uh, the goods and, 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 the, and the properties of those people that live in their neighborhood and that make up their neighborhood. They say positive things about the people that live over there. They form uh, uh, neighborhood watches. They form homeowners associations. And they do those things. And I started doing the exact same thing in my dormitory. You couldn't live in Walnut 4 unless you got approved to be in here. You had to go through a vetting process to live in any dormitory that I lived in. And other men started taking up with that same thought process and say, mm. you know what? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Police yourself and no one else will have to. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? 
The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Fox, you um, also spent time um, incarcerated. And what we haven't mentioned in this whole episode is you guys have six boys. (laughs) And I mean, I, after I read the book, I went and researched and found you guys online. And your boys are like grown men and they're doing amazing things in the world. And you talk about them in the book and how they really had to step up to the plate. But I would love to, to hear from you with a little bit of your experience of you also had to spend time um, for that crime while being a mom. And then you spent the entire rest of the time while Rob was still incarcerated, not only fighting for his release, not only fighting for laws to be changed, not only um, educating people around you, but you spent time traveling and educating, homeschooling your boys, making a living, um, creating new opportunities. I mean, you really didn't just sit back and wait for the system to do anything. You went and made what you needed to happen, happen. So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about those years of being a solo parent, you know, um, as much as Rob was a supportive man, he was not with you um, in those years. What kept you going? What was what was, what was was the thing that said, I'm not going to let this, this scenario is not going to break us? I think for me, it was uh, what I said in the documentary Time, um, which was Jamie's success is the best revenge. I felt like our family had transgressed against society, but we deserved another chance. And that um, society had at that point transgressed against us, Um, not only throwing my husband and I away and our nephew, but also by throwing us away, they threw away our six sons. And so for me, it was about being determined to say that I don't care what the state of Louisiana has said and what kind of judgment it has passed or condemned, how it has condemned my family. I know my God is a good God and a forgiving God. And that um, everything that I need in order to move past this situation, God has already given me. It's in my DNA. Um, And so, as Rob said, that same energy that we tap into to even begin the creation of our life, that energy that makes our heart beat without us thinking about it, um, which makes our food digest and our lungs expand and, and deflate. That that same energy is what I tapped into to say that we are going to make it and we are going to be all right um, because it's necessary. I know that God is not through with me yet. And um, so whatever it is that I must do, I'm going to do because I did not want the the weight of um, as much as I could help it. I did not want the weight of our incarceration to lay on uh, at the feet of our children. They deserve more mm. than what we had created. And so by whatever means I could to serve as a buffer, to make sure that they still would have every opportunity that they needed to be all that God had sent them in this life to be, I was not going to let one choice that we made snuff the life out of them and snuff the opportunity Mm. out of them. And so just, Mm. you know, waking up every day, making sure that you're doing everything that is humanly possible within you to provide for them, to give them hope, because that's at the at the baseline of it all. It is our hope and our faith every year for Mm. 21 years at the top of the year for New Year's Eve. When Rob was at home, we would start all over again and um uh, and not what do you say? Not reminding ourselves, but um, um, 
branding our brains to know that this is going to be the year <laughs> that he comes back home. Mm. It's like um, psyching ourselves up, if you would. Yeah. Um, but we had to hold on to faith and we had to hold on to hope that this was not going to be the end all to be all, that Rob was not going to die there, that his six sons deserved an opportunity to grow up with their father. And by any means necessary of what we have to do, we're going to get it done. So now to watch those guys, I think freedom yesterday his mentor um had him sunday his mentor takes him on a private jet flying down to the civil um to the legacy museum in alabama from new york because he's working in congress you know so when you just think about um our son that's the sommelier you know think about that black sommelier i didn't even know what a sommelier was <laughs> until our son said it to be one right well, tell him you spent some time on the happy yeah. hour today. So he can, he's, and, yeah. and then our son Remington, our second oldest, in a couple of months, in two months, he will be uh, finishing his residency at the um, Indiana University in orthodontics. You know, so not only do we have a dentist in the family, but we've got an ortho specialist in the family. Um, our son Lawrence married the love of his life. They're living in Denver, working in tech. Um, Freedom, I was just sharing with you, he at 23 years old, is the senior director of operations for the congressman from North Carolina. Um, his twin brother, Justice, married his sweetheart from uh, the military in Korea. So they just both finished their tour of duty and have settled in Houston, Texas. And, uh, and our youngest son is starting college in June at 16 years old. So I just know the power of God when we believe there is nothing that we cannot do, even through the mm. harshest of circumstances, because it is there when we really get a chance to discover God and know that it is not our own power. It is not our own volition, but it is the spirit of that one that is higher than us that operates within us and keeps us moving forward. Mm, so good. I'm going to let our, our listeners do the math on that 16 year old and then they yeah. got to read the book to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> I died. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> um, you know, you talked about Fox every year kind of saying this is going to be the year. Like, we're just going to like, this is not, this is going to be the year. We don't want another year to go by. Well, that year eventually came. You know, there was that, that year uh, the Rob did come home. And I know from just your story, what you shared, that there was a lot that led up to that. And I can only imagine the expectation, the fear of not working, all of those things had to have been really exhausting in a sense, you know, but I do want to ask you that day that this did happen, you know, you talk about it a little bit in the book, but I would just love to hear from you. Like, remember what was that day like the day that you stepped out of Angola as a free man and knew that you were not having to go back there. Tell me about that day. Oh man, I think there's a, a quote that says that there's nothing greater than a thought whose time has come. And Anyone that has been on the other side of, uh, of prison walls has always uh, envisioned or thought about a time that would come that they would no longer have prison as a condition or a circumstance for themselves. And whenever that day, that moment, that hour, that second comes, it's like no other thing in the world. I mean, it's nothing to compare, uh, you know, with it. It is a level of elation that is, is mind blowing. Uh, it's phenomenal, you know, uh, the moment, the feeling, you know, it's like, like, wow, it's a, a, a venerating, ah, 
you know, like a just a continuum. And uh, if anybody has had an opportunity to watch uh, Time, the documentary, um, that scream uh, that Fox yells out when she holds her fist up in the air and she's uh, 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 welcoming me uh, out uh, of prison gates. And it just seems like that screeching scream, it just echoes into forever. And um, it is um, crazy, you know, and um, again, if you look back at the documentary, I walked out of prison with a uh, T-shirt on that had the words never give up. And of course, you have to read the uh, book in order to get all of the juicy background into that piece. Um, but there's even a story behind why I even had the T-shirt on in that moment. But I had the T-shirt over 10 years, but it was a testament of faith. Uh, it was a testament of uh, that same level of endurance that we see. We, we, we note um, Job as a man of patience, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't patience. It was endurance, you know, that, uh, that uh, Job uh, experienced with all of his afflictions. But in it, like I said, it's just one of those moments to where um, words pale in comparison in your efforts to even try to explain uh, what that feeling uh, uh, felt like. And it has just been uh, five years. It will be September 20th of this year. And as I've mentioned, it is just a venerating and ongoing ah kind of moment. Because and it just has been going week, on for last week he was at the US years. Department, US Attorney General's office at the Justice Department being recognized by the um pardon office uh as one of the clemency recipients, the only state clemency recipient to be recognized as such an event with the heads of the Department of Justice. I mean so right. when you think about that, when you think about the red carpet <laughs> at the most exclusive Oscars ever, the ninety third Academy Awards that here we were on the red carpet um you know telling our story because it's nominated mm -hmm. for an oscar when you just look how god can take you from the pits of hell literally mm. and elevate mm -hmm. you to some of the highest platforms known to our society and probably one of the latest of which is when hollywood the hollywood reporter yeah put our story recognized and recognized time. it as one of the top 50 films, films of our century. Of our century. Yeah. That is big. Wow, you guys. That just gave right? me chills. Who are you telling? You know, so, <laughs> I know. Those kind of things. Peabody Award winning story. You yeah. know, um, mm -hmm. I mean, man, it, it is just amazing. Uh, but again, it's uh, a yeah. reminder of how good God is, you know, because only God's creates mm -hmm. these kind of stories. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to hear just about your um, boys and, um, you know, that September 20th day, five years ago. Uh, I know Fox picked you up, but can you tell me what it was like for your boys to be? It wasn't like they hadn't seen you. It wasn't like they hadn't been able to visit all of those things. Like it wasn't as if you were just you disappeared for 21 years, but there was an absence in your presence in the home. Um, what was it like coming home and being home and waking up and having breakfast with your family and your boys were some of them were old i mean you have a six you know one was young as as you know a a, a young 11 years old probably 
Can you talk about their experience as well with their dad coming mm -hmm. home? I think for me, the one that stands out in my mind the most would probably be two. One is um, when we surprised Freedom. It was like, you know he's coming because we've done the work and you're in the day now we're waiting on them to release him. But knowing that it's going to happen and actually in feeling when it happens is something totally different. And so we didn't tell Freedom, who actually was responsible for helping us get the governor's signature for my husband, but we surprised him at his orthodontist appointment and he literally fainted in his father's arms. Oh my His gosh. daddy literally had to catch him, Jamie, because he literally fainted in his arms. And so that moment was like, ah, to me. And then um, Remington, he came home from dental school um, for the welcome home party that we had for his dad that weekend. And as you know, we are sharing our thoughts in front of our family and friends, Remington breaks down and cries and he says, I've been riding around with you all day and it still didn't feel real. You know, so those mm -hmm. are some of the moments for me that just, you know, stand out the most to say, you know, just the power of one thing when you think it and you, you work diligently for it for 21 years mm -hmm. and then God gives you um, the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. mm. Anything from you, um, Rob? Probably just the uh, the look of uh, of my youngest son, uh, little Rob's face, um, when I would pick him up and go to his uh, his swim meets, and just when mm -hmm. he would recognize that I'm over there on the sidelines and I'm rooting him on and I'm videoing him and yeah. you know in the whole nine yards, you could see that he's having one of those moments in his head where he's like, "Wow, this is actually happening." <laughs> this yeah. is really yeah my dad is actually I've here i've really been telling everybody yeah. i got a cool dad <laughs> and they thought i've been lying this whole time and i'm so glad that yeah. you're here so that you can prove to them that i was not lying and that you are the coolest dad ever and that you mm -hmm. you are the type of dad that would uh that would be here that would be engaged and uh that would be present in our life you know so just being able to yeah. see that in so many different forms from all of our sons at different moments in time. Not to say that we didn't come mm -hmm. home with um, the struggles that absence automatically bring. Sure. Um, but you know, just the initial parts of it though, is just the, um, mm -hmm. the um, uncontrollable uh, joy and elation yeah. and happiness that you feel when you know that this part or this chapter of your life has come to a close. Probably one of my favorite words out of all of that, Jamie, that I came to absolutely adore is hearing my children say my parents. Mm. Have you met my parents? My parents mm -hmm. are calling. I'm having lunch with my parents. It, that that mm -hmm. one word for me has just become such a powerful tool because for so long it had just been my mama or my daddy, yeah. but now as they move, when we went to visit Freedom this past weekend when we were in DC at the Capitol, he takes us to his office and he introduced us to his coworkers as my parents are here, you know, uh, he takes us mm -hmm. in the in the cafeteria where everybody is that knows freedom on the Capitol. And it's like, you met my parents, you know, uh -huh. it's like the best word uh -huh. in the world um, for him and, uh, yeah. and for us. Well, that is so beautiful. You guys, I um I mean this when I say it. I'm I'm proud that your story is is in words and in audio and video um because it really does matter for a lot of reasons. It matters that as followers of Jesus that we care about these mm -hmm. things because there is a real problem in our country with mass incarceration and there's a real problem with brown and black people outnumbering um white people in our prisons 
that doesn't add up. And so I think I think about it as a white woman, um, and you may not know this about me, Fox and Rob, but my my listeners do. As a white woman who's raising black children, like this this matters to me deeply, but it should matter to all of us as followers of Jesus. Every person, every person that's in Angola, no matter what got them there, is made in the image of God, and they matter, and their lives matter, and they should be cared for. And so I'm really proud of you guys. I am sorry that this is where life has taken you, but I would guess that you guys would never want to repeat what you've done, but you will always constantly see where God is using it and how he is changing lives because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time with us today. I would love to ask you guys, what are you reading these days? Uh, crazy enough, uh, Jamie. What I have been reading as of late has been time. It has been the first opportunity that we have had to really just go back and read what you put into words. Um, along the way, you're kind of just writing the story and you're meeting the demands of, uh, of the publisher's edits and you're meeting the demands of, uh, of, uh, of your collaborator and the demands of, you know, other uh, uh, edit um, um, uh, deadlines. And in those mm-hmm. moments, you're kind of not really sitting all the way sitting with your story. Yeah. And then you have the moment where all of that is kind of out and it's done and these parts are in the world and then you get a chance to say, okay, let me sit back and read what I actually put into mm. words because you hear tell people come back, oh man, I read your story and it was a really good book and they, they, what did I say? they pulled excerpts <laughs> from it. And uh-huh. they, we go on these interviews and in interviews, you know, uh, the uh, host is pulling up out excerpts from the book and then you're like, oh wow. I did say that. Uh, well, I said that. <laughs> so I would have to be honest with you is that uh, that is, in fact, what uh, what both of us uh, are reading right now is uh, is time. And then the other portion of that for me, too, is in, I've been starting our mornings with um, Jesus Listens. We had the blessing to be on their podcast. And um, and so they sent us um, the Jesus Listens book. And it has just been a wonderful mm-hmm. daily devotional um, that Rob and I have been enjoying when you wake up in the morning. It's uh, kind of like a conversation with God starter, if you uh-huh. would. Um, yeah. So we're like, okay, well, you, and then if you open the page and it resonates with what you're feeling in the morning. Mm-hmm. So um, that has been a blessing yeah. for us as well. I love that. Well, I will say it's very uh, interesting to have just read your book and then to sit here and chat with you guys because I, your personalities shine through in this book so much. And I I can sense that even from um, sitting here with you. You guys, thank you so much. And um, it has been a joy to spend this time with you. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank Mm, you, you Jamie. And if you find yourself down in New Orleans now, you know how to find us. Listen, don't you even think that I won't. I will find you because I have a feeling you're going to show me some good food is what I have a feeling about. (laughs) And a good time. Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey. Produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes by Nikki Ogden. Art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Here you are, BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue. 
panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 